There is no secret formula for better customer service. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot, bringing service and support together in one powerful platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up a rep's time with an AI-powered help desk. Also, you can easily support and grow your customer base. Secrets out, everybody. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Hey, everyone. It's Friday, December 2nd. I'm Zachary Crockett here with Juliet Bennett-Ryla, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're talking about mental health. Since the start of the pandemic, mental health startups have received nearly $8 billion in funding to try to make therapy more accessible. But there's some serious hurdles that new entrants have to jump over. Julius got the story. But before we get into that, here's what else is going on in business and tech. A consumer price index that tracks personal expenditures minus food and energy rose 0.2% in October. That's slightly less than the Fed's 0.3% estimate, and it suggests that price increases could be slowing, or at the very least stabilizing, after a tumultuous year. Elon Musk has enough going on as is, but his neurotechnology company Neuralink is hoping to hold human clinical trials of its brain implant within the next six months. Just remember, though, love or hate him, Musk doesn't have a great track record hitting his deadlines. He's also going to need a lot of government approval, which can be a slog to say the least. Speaking of futuristic stuff, OpenAI dropped ChatGPT. That's a chatbot that can answer detailed questions, write code, type essays, and a whole lot more. In other words, the bots are coming for us. Password manager LastPass suffered yet another data breach. That's the second one in three months, and it's by the same unauthorized party as last time. But the company does say that there's no evidence that customer data was accessed. We've heard that one before. And lastly, Netflix is expanding its preview club from 2,000 members to tens of thousands of subscribers. That group gets to provide feedback to Netflix on content prior to release. Netflix suffered two straight quarters of subscriber losses earlier this year, and this is a little bit of an effort to ensure that their $17 billion annual content budget is being well spent. All right, so we are finally reaching sort of a societal willingness to talk about and address mental health in the workplace. And whenever there's a cultural shift like this, there are always a bunch of startups waiting in the wings. Juliet, Can you fill us in on this influx we've seen in the space? What's going on? Yeah. So the impetus for talking about this is a Business Insider article I read this morning about how some of these startups are pivoting strategies. Hmm. But apps in the mental health care space is obviously something that I've been thinking about and talking about for a really long time. So great time to talk about it now. But basically, amid the pandemic, obviously, people started going to therapy online more than ever. And there were already apps going on then. And now there's even more. In 2020, the American Psychological Association reported as many as 20,000 mental health apps were up and running. And what's interesting here is this article is dated January 1st, 2020. So that's before the pandemic. Wow. Or I guess when it was just getting started. And this includes stuff like talk therapy, meditation apps like Headspace and Calm, journaling apps, mindfulness Mm -hmm. apps, anything that you can put in the wellness mental health sector. But only a few of these apps have received FDA approval. And 
with these apps, we've seen new hurdles emerge. So one of the existing problems is that you're dealing with confusing insurance systems, financial barriers, too few providers, long wait times, all of this stuff. Now you get these apps and some new hurdles have emerged. A 2020 study found that only 6% of about 300 anxiety and depression apps that reviewed had published evidence, despite claims of being based on evidence-based frameworks. <laughs> Many of them still don't accept insurance, meaning they're still unaffordable for some patients. Some of the cost-cutting efforts had come at the expense of care, shorter visits. I was reading in that article that Cerebral, I think, had cut its visits with providers to maybe 15 minutes wow. and not even like every week. So Hard to get anything done in 15 minutes, really. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, there were concerns over Cerebral and other online platforms prescribing drugs too freely, sure. like Adderall, for example. Jeez. Okay. That's a whole slew of problems. The most concerning to me on there is that only 6% have even published any type of evidence-based framework that their methods are effective. Mm -hmm. It seems like, it, you know, this is a kind of a classic startup model of jumping into a space without doing any of the regulatory or sort of formal work that the traditional model of the industry follows. Mm -hmm. And I think we've seen that. We've seen these apps and maybe they have good intentions and they come along mm -hmm. on board, all these startups, and they're like, we're going to disrupt this industry and we're totally going to fix it. And then, you know, shit happens and it's right. not good. Right. And especially when you're talking about, you know, something as important as mental health. Mm -hmm. This isn't Uber breaking transportation laws. These are startups that purport to want to help people through some difficult issues. Right. And it's a very well-funded sector. It had received $7.8 billion in funding over the last two years. Wow. So okay. a lot of money was being pumped into this. But, you know, another thing is apparently, and this is something I find really funny, and I will tell you why in a second. So <laughs> apparently in 2018, the cost for a startup to acquire a new patient for DTC care was about $150. And now it's like $500 all the way up to a grand per customer. For one customer. Yeah. And this is partially due to competitors flooding the market, privacy updates on certain devices, mm -hmm. like your Apple devices. But one thing that I have noticed, I'm going to tell you a story. Let's hear the story. So I was looking for a therapist in part because there's not a stigma around it. Like it's just, you know, everyone should get one. Yeah. Beneficial for everybody. I finally have insurance. I also have like a chronic illness. So I wanted to talk to somebody about managing that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you think it's going to be simple. No, I called so many places and none of them took my insurance or there were other complications. So finally, I did start looking at the apps. And the one app that I looked at that the story is about is Talkspace. Talkspace is an app where you get matched with a therapist for online therapy. So I went through this whole complicated onboarding process, but it wouldn't tell me if it took my insurance. Hmm. And it was like, oh, once you get through this whole process, you'll have a dashboard and then you can check your insurance. And I don't know, maybe I, I did it wrong or something. But by the time I got to that point that page was gone. And the only thing I could do was book an appointment. And I was like, well, I don't want to okay. book an appointment if you're not going to take my insurance. Mm -hmm. So then I contacted them and I was like, hey, I don't think you take my insurance, but can we verify this? So they said, no, we don't take your insurance. Let us know if there's anything else we can do for you. So I was like, okay, I'll just cancel my subscription because Talkspace is a subscription service. Mm -hmm. So then I get all these follow-up emails that are like, we noticed that you enrolled with us, but you you didn't continue sign up, basically telling me like the next step is on me and my journey towards enlightenment or whatever. Right. And it's like, well, that would be great. But really, I'm just not going to pay several hundred dollars a month when I have insurance. Sure. And then the next month I wake up and they had for some reason charged me like four hundred dollars because they forgot to cancel my oh, subscription. No. And then it's like, I'm a person that's dealing with like multiple apps and processes all at the same time. Right. And I still 
Even though Talkspace will work for me, I get served ads for it on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and everything constantly. And every one of those impressions costs money, right? Mm -hmm. But I know it won't work for me. And so I think it's interesting that these apps are trying so hard to get customers, or they were at least trying so hard to get customers, and they're just constantly paying to serve ads to people who can't use them. Hmm. It's the same thing as like when you buy something and then like immediately you get 30 ads for the thing you just bought. It's like, <laughs> there's no metric for how much money these people are wasting. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Juliet's Wild Adventures with DTC Healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually have a DTC uh, Healthcare GI stomach doctor. That one's going kind sure. of okay. So, you know, there's that at least. But I guess part of the purported value add of all these new startups is to streamline this complex mm-hmm. system, make it easier, quote unquote, democratize, mm-hmm. you know, access to these services. You know, I hear stories like yours all the time. Is healthcare just like too big of a problem for these DTC companies to tackle? Like, what is the underlying problem here? Yeah, I mean, I wonder if that is the case, especially in the United States. The end of this article was talking about the pivoting strategies and the other things that they were trying Hmm. because, you know, this just isn't working for many people. One thing is, you know, stopping the digital ads, relying on referrals instead, that would probably help them at least save some money. Hmm. And also not trying to get individual patients, but partnering with employers who pay a fee for their employees to access the services. And I think that obviously does not help people who do not have insurance through an employer. That is obviously another problem. But I have used services through employer health insurance that have worked well and haven't been a super big headache until, of course, you switch jobs and then you don't get that service anymore and then you have to find all new providers. But at surface level, that is helpful and that does, you know, give these apps a bigger client than just, you know, one person at a time. Mm -hmm. There's also another app called Alma and is apparently working with therapists to help them accept insurance. Now, If you think insurance is complicated as a patient, it is also complicated as a provider. Many therapists do not accept insurance because they get paid less and then they have a lot of paperwork they need to fill out. They need to go back and forth with your insurance company on whether you need the care. You know how insurance companies are. So at the end of the day, it's just easier to take an out-of-pocket client. Elma is trying to work with them and help them. I did look at Elma and I found six whole therapists in my area that Hmm. take my insurance, which sounds like Not a lot, but it is significantly better than some of the apps that I have looked at. Well, I remember you were telling me a few weeks ago that you tried a different service and like the nearest therapist they recommended was like 300 miles away or something. (laughs) Yes. virtual visit was your only option there. Yeah. And that's the same is true of Elma. None of them are in person. None of them are hybrid. Mm -hmm. They're all virtual. But there have been studies that suggest if what you need is, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy or something like that, mm-hmm. or just someone to talk to, it can be just as effective online as in person. So that is a way for a lot of people to manage. But, you know, the one thing that I keep coming back to through, <laughs> through this journey, because at some point it almost became a game for me, like, oh, let's just see what's wrong with this one and why this one won't work. What I wonder, though, is like, you know, I'm a pretty resourceful person and I don't have a lot of other issues going on. My heart definitely goes out to people who are really struggling and, you know, they're spending months and hours on the phone trying to find someone and there just isn't anyone. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I'm sure these startups are aware of sort of the serious Mm -hmm. nature of the industry they're trying to break into. Um, This isn't, you know, child's play. A lot is at stake for the quality and punctuality of these services. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's complicated for them too. I mean, that's why I say, I think you can go into something like, I'm going to help people get care with a very good heart. And then like, 
wind up completely covered in red tape because, oh, yeah. this state doesn't accept that license, but this one does. There's just so much, especially with the United States healthcare system, which is, of course, for profit. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on this space. And Juliet, next time you go through one of these ordeals, hopefully you won't have to talk to a therapist <laughs> about your journey to find a therapist. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's part of the challenge. My first appointment with a therapist would be like, oh, do you know how frustrating it was to find you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today was Robert Hartwig and our executive producer was Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, go get yourself signed up at thehustle.co slash email. Have a great Friday and we'll see you bright and early on Monday.